Hello, newsies. Welcome to another episode of Get the Flick Out of Here. Uh, I'm Alex. This is Kate. Uh, we were supposed to do this last week, but Kate got sick, so we're doing it now. Get over it. It's fine. We are, yes, we are doing a Christmas movie on January 8th. It's fine. I feel like this at least also falls more into general rom-com. Than it like does. It does. Honestly, that's, this is, this is part of the, this is part of the complaints that we have gotten that, that I have read. This isn't actually a Christmas movie. You're just masquerading it as a Christmas movie because, because it, it works better that way because people are more inclined to accept crap at Christmas time than they are other times of the year. But if they had set this at any other time of the year, it also would have worked. Uh, they just would have had to change a few things around. But it's it really isn't Christmassy. It's Neither just, is Die Hard, but that's been a lifelong debate. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, like, well, I that's like it, it is. It is a lifelong debate, but also that movie is. In, it, also not a Christmas movie because that could have been set anywhere. But but he had to go to the Christmas party. No, he didn't. Could have been literally anything else. Any other reason. It could have been the guy who, Nakatomi, the guy who runs the, the tower, the guy yes. whose business it is. It could have been his 70th birthday party. They could have set it in June. Nothing else would have changed about that movie. It's true. It's set during Christmas, so if you want to say if something is set during Christmas, it is therefore a Christmas movie, fine. I'm not going to argue with you about it, but I think we should all be able to agree that the only thing that makes it a Christmas movie is because it's set at Christmas. And I would say also, Love Actually is actually not a Christmas movie, but it is technically. It is... One that has had a bit of a resurgence, as you pointed out, of um, people that are watching mm-hmm. it through a modern lens. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason we wanted to do it is because those conversations have pointed out how there's some very problematic things in this. But I will mm-hmm. say, Alex, as mm-hmm. a woman, I'm going to pull out the as a woman card. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes you can acknowledge how problematic something is, but still think it's adorable. And this is one of those things. Am I a complete hypocrite for it? Sure. Yes. Am I a yes. feminist? Yes. Do I also want the guy yes. to pick up the check? Yeah. If he can, that's great. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're still taking I, the bullet. I put up with enough in this life. Okay. No, yeah. So no, there are pockets of hypocrisy that you have to navigate. And this is one of them where there's like a lot of references to like, um women's weight in this and there's kind of um mm, there's some, a lot of that there's a lot of that there's a lot of um women not really being in charge of themselves or their own fate in this but like also it's adorable and i love it, is, it. <laughs> it it is it is unfortunate this is well this is the thing i was watching it again for the first time in years and I, God damn, I hate how how charming this dumb movie is. It is. it is incredibly charming, and I don't know if that's us because we are um, us, meaning Americans, and that anything done with a plummy British accent is is like Adorable. at least twenty five percent more charming. Oh, um, easily. And so, um, we we excuse it for that reason. But like, there are, I, I will say this. There's no way this movie gets written like this and made today. Correct. 
like just the workplace romance issues alone make this a nah no no just not this is not a, a, a way we think of um things that way anymore it is this is was in november of last year i suppose it was the 20th anniversary of the release of this of this film um so it's still technically the 20th anniversary here uh only in, in january because it was still in the theaters at this time 20 years ago because it made a butt ton of money it, it did. made 245 million dollars on a budget of 40 wow well done to them for that um well played check in mates you yeah. knew exactly what you were doing mm-hmm. um also, yeah, I wasn't planning on having my eyes explode at the lash places or getting COVID. So right, right. Behind here. But yeah. this was going to be like a turn of the year, cute little feel good, warm thing. And now it's yeah. like a, a, mm-hmm. just a January 8th Christmas sort of watch. Yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> deal with it. it okay. Yeah, everyone deal with it. Um, the, um, the, the thing of it is, is that I, 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 20 years ago, I saw this movie twice in the theaters. Do you want to with, tell the people why? With with two different girls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. And the thing of it is, because the movie was in theaters for such a long time, um, uh, the first time it worked like a charm. Five weeks later, that was done. That was over and done with. And I met a different girl, and I was like, it worked so well the last time. That time it didn't work, though. So, um, uh, um, yeah, it was, yeah, listen, I was, I was a different time. Um, but, uh, I, I remember watching it vividly in the theater, and, uh, I think this is really sweet and charming. Um, and, uh, um, and my dates both thought it was sweet and charming. There was, there was a thing that we like. Um, I don't know if like everyone's different now, cancel culture, etc. But like the, <laughs> the, the 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 Me Too thing that is, that has has swept over, and we were like looking at things through a different lens now. But there's a lot of horrible body shaming. Uh, a lot of um, you recognize that like. Uh, this is a romantic movie with all of these women in it that don't have any real agency in how they like, like, I don't know, like, like, like experience the world. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of like overstepping of bounds of people who shouldn't do, do that. You know what I mean? Like there's relationships of like, for, for example, your boss calls you into his office to tell you you should make a pass at a fellow coworker is just a thing that probably HR from different companies is going to get involved. <laughs> this is a class action lawsuit that is going to happen. True. And and then it was like, oh, he's being a cute boss because he's taking interest in your personal life. And we definitely would not think that now. Um, no, the- but by the way, like, 
it's a good thing. <laughs> like it's it's a good thing that as time progresses, we look at things and point out things that didn't age well. Um, it's it's a very uh, that's how society should move. Like I watched because I was sick all week. I watched a lot of really dumb stuff, mm. and one of them was Devil Wears Prada. And whenever I go back and watch that, which I do way more than any one person should. Mm. Um, I find myself becoming a Miranda sympathizer because Andy is an idiot and she eats an onion bagel before her interview and she doesn't know the name of the editor. And I feel like the point that they make in that is not, not like pro the eating disorder stuff, obviously, but like the point that they make in that movie is like, if Miranda was a man, nobody would shirk at it. And it's like, that's true. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like that there are true. things, and it, I, I think in rom-coms that happens more than anything because you see how women participate in romantic relationships and how men participate in romantic relationships, and those conversations have evolved a lot. Um, and I think that's good, and I think the portrayal of them is important, but it does also you can still like like something and also recognize the, the complexities of the fact that maybe it wasn't right. like in a modern lens, the best representation yeah. of things. And that's that happens a lot in this movie. And part of that is because there's like seven different plot lines. Well, there's more than that even. Um, this also be- began, this was the granddaddy of them all Christmas rom-com. I'm sure there were, were others before this, but this is what everyone saw. Hey, $40 million um, gets 200 and actually $248 million return. Jesus. Um, a $200 million gross is like pretty nuts. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, so everyone was like, hey, let's just try and replicate this formula on uh, – let's get a bunch of celebrities together to make like a New Year's Eve version of this and a Valentine's Day version of this. Remember those came out a couple years after this? And then, yes. uh, but then it was like every every Christmas we've got to have a, more of these kind of things. Like, oh, let's be sappy and lovey and it's Christmas time. And at Christmas time you – are extra horny, I guess. I don't know, but like it's just it's this um it's cuffing this thing season. That yes, yeah, there you go. It's cuffing season. So um this began a wave of this. And um I would I would argue I would not be subjected to Christmas with you starring Freddie Prince Jr. and AJ Lee's sister. <laughs> because that movie would not exist if this movie had not come out. And for that reason alone, I might say, get the flick out of here. Honestly. Um, so <laughs> an American classic. I don't know what no, you're talking about. I don't know. Um, this was by Richard Curtis, who did Notting Hill, Four Weddings and a Funeral, this British romance guy. Um, his daughter hates the film. Uh, and his daughter has gotten him to agree the film is bad. <laughs> like that is that is the fun thing about it's this. Excellent. They've done like inter- like interviews together where where she's like, "Dad, in this plot line, blah 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 blah," and he's like, "Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, that I never rules. thought of it that way. This is that was really bad. I shouldn't do that." Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but like the one thing he, he the one thing he he regrets the most is the constant fat shaming. There's a lot um, of it in there, and, and well, like and, there was yeah, also a lot of it in society at the time well, too. Like that's oh, the, sure. the trickier part. Sure, but that's that's the thing is there was a lot of it, but there's no there. Honestly, none of it is necessary for the film whatsoever. Like that's very true. It's just yeah. the thing that you threw in there because you know, people are going to laugh at it. It's an easy low hanging fruit joke. Everyone laughs at fat people. Ha 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 ha. 
And so let's sure. just put it let's let's put it in the in the movie. Um, but I do think it is it is um the thing of it is that that not even like we look at it like, oh, you know, we thought differently back then, and it, it's unfair to judge the merits of a film by the time now when it was made 20 years ago, and I agree. But I agree in somewhat, but I I definitely think you can judge the merits of a film based on if any of it makes sense. Yes. <laughs> and there's you, a lot of this film that it does not. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I, yes, I do that. Um, uh, the, the, the movie is a bunch of intersecting plot lines. Um, it is very ambitious, I will say, too. Like, from, from that it, perspective of a lot of rom-coms at that time that preceded right. it were just one plot line template. Right rock and roll so much it's so so ambitious it doesn't work because the the movie needs all of these plot lines to happen simultaneously so much so that at one point a guy is in two places at the same time (laughs) and because he's one of two black characters in the movie um uh, a wonderful destruction of this film uh written hold on by um, <laughs> Lindy West, published ten years ago on on uh, Jezebel.com. Um, it, it is one of those things to to make white people worry that they're being racist by confusing by by watching one white guy and thinking is that two black guys or is that one black guy? And um, there's in fact the same black guy, but he happens to be in two places at once and the editing belies also other people there's there is a funeral and a wedding happening simultaneously in the same church yeah because the edit the editing is they they were so obsessed with dovetailing everything that at some like you'll go from one scene in the same location to another scene in the same location that can't possibly be happening concurrently and we nobody's gonna ask about it at all um until Alex um, Lasky, and until I, until I do, years later. Later. But, but honestly, people should have been asking about this at that time because yeah. because edit editing is editing. I don't care what you do. You you put you put one character in two places at the same time. Um, you you, you have to. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, Bill Nye is the best part of this movie. <laughs> um, as as uh, Billy Mack. Um, who is uh, an analog for several different British pop stars? Yes, like he's a, he's a. Um, it doesn't feel like he was um, in a band necessarily, so he's not quite uh, Mick Jagger, but he's got that kind of a swagger about him. Ricky Rainbow um, for the SGS people, yeah, perhaps. <laughs> um, but uh, he was a huge success in the seventies. And uh, and then got all strung out on heroin and is trying to make a comeback now later. Um, and we see him recording a Christmas cover of uh, Love is All Around Me by the Trogs. But they just replace love with Christmas. Um, and he can't get it right. And so his, um, his uh, Scottish manager wearing a Canadian tuxedo for some reason throughout the entire film... <laughs> Uh, blue jean shirt over blue jeans, um, tucked in uh, over his ample uh, uh, um, Guinness belly, um, is uh, 
Um, he's like, go to try that one on the gun. All right, mate, let's do it again. <laughs> uh, he's a very sweet man. Um, but um, I did a little research into Christmas number one. What the heck is that? Because if you're from America, you don't know what that is. The number one song uh, it, during the uh, of the charts during the week that Christmas falls is considered the Christmas number one. And for all, for a long, long time, including now, um, that song is probably Christmas based. Um, and a lot of times they're like novelty songs, which this one kind of verges into um, a, a, a cover of "Love Is All Around Me" by the Trogs, like from nineteen sixty something. But you just replace "Love" with "Christmas." Uh, sounds kind of like a really cheap, um, like cynical thing to do for Christmas. And yet I looked at the, a list of all of them and, and got, well, some guy had a whole bunch of these really terrible, just recently up and up like 2022 through like 2018, like five, six years in a row, this guy was just releasing terrible Christmas pun songs. And they would be the number one Christmas song of the year in Britain this past year, 2023 Christmas. Um, just, they re-released Last Christmas by Wham. And that that one, that was the Christmas song of the year. So they're trying to, and because everyone buys the Christmas single, it becomes the highest selling single of the entire year. And so this is the the what British pop uh, is still to this day um, and why that was an inter- interesting. So what was interesting about this is so much has changed in music. Um yeah from the time that this was made to now, but this is actually still pretty dead on mm. the there's, there's a lot of reasons. This is some just music industry nerdum that y'all have to deal with. Um, like Cher came out with a Christmas album. Um, the, the reason that Christmas albums get made so frequently by pop stars is one, they sell incredibly well. Two, if you have a three-album deal and you did two albums and the deal is falling apart, um, or a six-album deal, people will do a Christmas record and or release the best hits uh, just for that reason, so that they don't have to do anything that actually requires any work or creativity. And three, um, this Christmas music and stuff that's made for kids um, is something that actually still sells. Like, albums for children and Christmas music because people will still buy them largely because of the demographic who is based out of and they will also get into every playlist on Spotify of like Christmas classics this that and the other so um, if you see pop stars coming out with stuff around Christmas uh, sorry to be disingenuous about it it's usually a money grab or an I'm trying to complete and finish my deal and get the hell off of this label grab um, right. but this was funny in that I feel like so much has changed in music since this got made, but I was like, man, this Christmas stuff is like, that is an evergreen music industry okay. thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and honestly, not the worst of the covers out there. No, this no. Christmas um, is all around us. Yeah. Um, so that's who we meet first. And then we do this thing of of the wedding of Peter and Juliet, which is also attended by other people that we know in the film. Yes. Um, 
Peter and Juliet um, with Mark is the um, the uh, <clears throat> best man. This love triangle, which is honestly one of the most problematic things in the entire film, um, even and and should have been evident to us twenty years ago, honestly. But because this movie, this is something I've read. In the, I've re- I read a lot of because. The reason we're, cho- we're choosing this is because you had never seen it, and I had correct seen it yes twice in the theaters, several <laughs> times since then, and and it always considered it a fairly charming movie. But I think the most recent time I saw it was like I don't know seven eight years ago. So, um, but I saw all uh, all all over my timeline was just this rampant hate for this movie. And I was like, I always considered it kind of, and I would read some stuff like, well, okay, that rings true. I can see how you would have a problem with that. Okay, that I agree with. And I was like, I wanted to see if you would love it or hate it. So which is why we, we discussed it. So I was, I read through a lot of like, crit, crit, like from like, um, in the guise of comedy, uh, this really great takedown of the movie um, uh, that I referenced earlier. Um, but also like point by point, really rational critiques of of what this is saying about society and feminism or whatever. Um, but uh, something that somebody pointed out was um, there are a lot of. Can you still hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, no, I got you. I'm just looking at my both, own. <laughs> both of us are frozen on my screen. So oh, I, did not, okay. I did not know if I was no, still I broadcasting because um, okay. it also just the, the, the clock on the corner of my thing also is, um, is frozen at 2154. So Scariest stream yard th- moment ever. <laughs> this is uh, interesting. Um, so, um, but that because of this Mark character, that there are a lot of young men who decide to do um elaborate gestures of romance and think that entitles them to a woman um and uh and how problematic that can be for women everywhere who would just like to be able to say no and be done with it yeah. um <laughs> uh and and the can't because because this movie is uh is is um is is, has has created a generation of of guys who are like, see if I just stalk this woman, even if she's married to my best friend, maybe there's a chance she'll kiss me, um, and and that's probably a bad thing to think. So um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to this is unnerving to me. So I'm going to uh, reload my screen and see if that does anything. Because right now I can't, I, I, yeah, none, none, oh, actually, this is cool because my cursor does not do anything. So I'm going to, uh, I can't do anything. My cursor is, is blank. That's awesome. So I'm going to try and see if I can't just set a, set a different, here we go. Oh, hey, I'm here. What? Hey. The, the page is asking you to confirm you want to leave. I don't want to leave. Stay on the page. No, we want you to stay. Okay, okay we're here. Wonderful. Yay, I'm good. Okay. Um, so anyway, here's the thing. Little, little, um, a little personal thing of mine. I spent uh, spring semester 
studying abroad in London in 2001. Um, and while we were there uh, studying theater, we saw um, we saw a play every night except Monday for like eight weeks in a row. Like this was part of our tuition that we spent toward this thing was went to these tickets that we got. And one of the plays that we saw was this brilliant work examining modern psychiatry called Blue Orange. Um, and there were two, there was the, the, the head psychiatrist of this institution, and there was a younger psychiatrist, and there was this patient. And they were played by the actors who played Peter, Mark, and Billy Mack. And so not two years later, I saw them in this big movie that made all this money. I was like, this is so cool. Maybe they're going to be all going to be stars. And guess what? She went uh, a GF four went on in 12 years a slave, got all this amazing praise. I don't think he won the Oscar for it, but he probably should have. Andrew Lincoln, like was the lead in walking dead, which ran for 15 seasons. And Bill Nye's in everything. Yeah. And they, they were nobodies, even in England when they were in this West End play called Blue Orange, which was a great, great play. I loved all three of them. So it was so cool to me to see them all in this movie um, that kind of kickstarted their Hollywoodish career or, you know, British film career. Um, but uh, Kira Knightley plays Juliet. And one of the things that is slightly unnerving about it is you go, she feels like she might be a little young for these guys. Just a little. Yeah. And then you look it up, and she was 17 when she filmed it. 17 when she filmed the movie. 17 when she filmed it. And both of these guys, like, Chihuahua Geofor, I believe, was 28. And Andrew, uh, 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 Andrew Lincoln was 30. So, like, this, it, it, she feels a little young for them. She was in actuality young very young. The, actually, a child. If you look at the, the illegally young, yeah. Ill, illegally <laughs> young. So um, uh, that that always kind of struck me. Anyway, Mark is is does elaborate things. That's a thing that he does. We, we find that out later. That's what he is. So he has set up a, a whole band to play uh, "All You Need Is Love" with a choir. Um, the Beatles, all you need is love. Um, uh, as, as they walk out of the um, the venue for this wedding, they are having. Um, so there's there's a I listen. I made this. This is not something I'm in retrospect. I'm thinking about now. At the time, I was like, all these people sitting in the pews at the wedding that are hired musicians that nobody, nobody on the groom side or the, or the bride side knows. Yeah. I feel like at a wedding, which is a small wedding. It's not a huge wedding. Correct. Somebody would be like, I'm sorry, who do you know? And like, and then like that they would know them. And they would also be sitting there with a saxophone between their knees through the entirety of, of, of the service. And it'd be like, why do you have that? Oh, it's just a, Good luck charm. Like yeah, why they, there's trombones through. and 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 saxophones, and they're all sitting there in the pews and then stand up and start playing the horn section of Loud His Love. And I was like, I feel like that's not I that's anyway. a stretch even for this, yeah. yeah. Um but um also we see at the wedding, 
Um, and we have to go back now because I'm I was like, I'm gonna do because a lot of this is, is has to be told out of order or there makes doesn't make any sense. Um Jamie uh has to is his girlfriend is supposed to come with him to to I it is never explained how he knows Peter or Mark or um Juliet. We have he is a writer. He is a writer. I don't know what the other people do. All you've all you gotta do is say at one point that like uh Peter is his editor or something. something I don't know. Yeah. But I have no idea how they know each other. They're friends, but there's it it whatever. Um he is uh he's his his girlfriend's gonna come with him to the wedding, uh, but she's sick and can't. So um he's uh, fawning all over her. And um, and he eventually agrees to leave, but he comes back after the ceremony to check on her before he goes to the reception. Uh, and when he gets there, his brother is there, and and Jamie is played by Colin Firth, and like he's not my type, but he is definitely a lot of women's type. Um, and his brother is nobody's type. Like the the woman that he left there in bed sick. Um, was with Colin Firth and decided I'm going to go for his his obviously layabout, shiftless, good for nothing brother. The way he is dressed and he's not shaven and and he's ugly as sin. Sorry, guy. I don't know if you did any movies since then or if you're watching. But compared to Colin Firth, <laughs> I was always like, why is she going for the brother? Um, anyway, he he tries to pawn off as like I I popped round to borrow some CDs, which is a wonderful thing you could say in 2003 and very, not a lot since then. No. Yeah. I mean, cuts in 2013, that was like a a dead thing. I just popped, I popped around to borrow some CDs. (laughs) Um, And he says, listen, I was thinking we should take mom out for, out for dinner for her birthday. We've been bad sons this year. Um, And uh, what do you reckon? Um, and he said, well, yeah, no, I think that would be good. Uh, and at no point does does he go, because um, uh, the, the lady of the house let you in, did she? Oh, yeah, yeah. At no point, also the brother, dumb as a post. Because at that point you go, I've admitted that the lady of the house let me in. Okay, she can't hear us talking from a different part of the house. So I'm going to be like, hey, I just want to let you know Jamie's here. If you're trying to conceal your affair with your brother's girlfriend in Probably, any way, yeah. you yeah. might try a little subterfuge that's better than I popped around to borrow some CDs. Yes, I agree. We should take mom out for lunch. Like it was just anyway. Um, and then she screams, I'm naked and I want you at least twice before Jamie gets home. And then the brothers look at each other. And that's the last time the brothers look at each other ever. Um, so, um, so that's the end of that. But at the reception, we see Mark videotaping the, the bride and groom having their first dance. And then Laura Linney, who is inexplicably oh. American in this movie. And <laughs> again, one line of dialogue would have helped. Um, uh, but she's, she's living so in delightful, La- though. I love her so much. Um, this is probably not. I don't know if it's surprising or not. My very least favorite subplot in this movie um yeah uh so 
she's delightful. She's very, very good, but it doesn't mean her character doesn't have a lot of problems. Uh, yeah. the, like the way that's no, written. I love and, Laura Linney, not yeah, this, yeah, okay. you know, okay. this piece of the story. But she's like, are you in love with him? She asks the best man of the groom at the wedding. And he's like, what? Not taking offense that he might be gay, but, um, but she's like, I just thought maybe you needed somebody to talk to about it, but nobody ever asked. So, are you in love with him? And he's like, No, I'm not in love with him. And we should have been like, I'm in love with her, but they never da, actually. Da, da. Uh, but no. Um, so that is the wedding. Um, and then we meet. I think this is when we meet Liam Neeson. Yes, I believe so. Um, who's calling Emma Thompson, who is his friend. And Emma Thompson and he are friends, cousins, um, co-workers, ex-lovers. They never explain it. I have zero context for what their relationship is. Okay? Um, ex-lovers, co-workers. I don't know. I have no idea. Um Liam Neeson never goes to work. He is an ar- he is an architect, I believe, is what they establish with, through no dialogue. He's he sitting no at a dra- he is yeah. sitting at a drafting table in his house working later. I'm assuming that's not a hobby; that's work. Um, but he calls Emma Thompson and she says, um, "He says hello, uh, hello, Karen. It's uh, sorry, sorry to call again. I literally don't have anyone else to talk to." Uh, and and she goes. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, terrible time now. Can I call you back? Doesn't mean I'm not frightfully sorry your wife just died in the most clunky bit of exposition in the history of film. And uh, <laughs> she's like, no, 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 right, right. Book her off. Talk to you later. Um, and so later we see her come over and he's, um, we, again, this is, uh, this is, the exposition could be delivered a little better. That he is, in fact, his wife died and her son, not his son, he's the stepdad, and she married his wife who's now dead recently? Like, not a long time ago. Within Correct. the last yeah. year? And it feels like she had a very, very sudden bout of a horrible disease that killed her within like a month. It's not a, it's not a fast thing because she laid out, this is what I want to do at my funeral. funeral and yeah. she wouldn't have done that if she didn't know she was imminently going to die. So this is what all the stuff I have to piece together in my brain. Cause I'm, I'm <laughs> sick and I can't watch a movie without doing this. So his son is, has shuts himself up in his room all the time and won't come out. I know it's because he's so sad. Uh, and he says every time he does come out, it's 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 obvious he's been crying. And then Liam Neeson starts crying. Um, and then uh, Emma Thompson's like, uh, come on now, stop crying. Uh, you you got to get back out there. Your wife died last week. A minute uh, no and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> no one's going to shag you if you cry all the time. So she is somehow shaming him for grieving his <laughs> recently dead wife. What a friend and or cousin and a co-worker and or ex-lover. <laughs> or I don't know. Or I don't know. Hopefully not ex-lover and cousin. Could be with this movie. I was saying and, I was saying and or, and I, I honestly don't know. Um, uh, so 
there's also the 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 characters of John and Judy who are yes stand-ins at it's not a porn it's just a movie with lots of sex in it yeah I think. it's like a weird yeah but they're, they're at best <laughs> yeah um but because he, he talks about how he was the stand-in for Brad Pitt on seven years in Tibet and I'm pretty sure Brad Pitt is a full seven or eight inches taller than Martin Freeman yeah so probably would not have actually been the stand-in for Brad Pitt but um but they strike up a conversation while um you know doing sex fake sex acts to each other while clothed and then she has to be unclothed while he does it and martin freeman's great at this and and the woman who plays judy is very uh, a winning personality we 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 hope that they're going to like if they there was a there's a bunch of these threads that I feel like you no, know, to just silo off these characters who are seem to be good people with good chemistry between the actors and make the movie about them, as opposed to this is the fifth or sixth, maybe the last most important thing in the entire movie is these things, and they're actually really cute and have no problematic problem with <laughs> except for the fact that they meet while simulating sex acts on each other. But that's part of the part of the work, I guess. Um. So they they fall in love throughout the course of the movie. It's hard to like come back to this because all of the scenes, although charming and sweet and wonderfully acted, and in some places really well written, um, are inconsequential to the very plot as as a whole. Yeah. You could completely excise this subplot from Nothing the film. Would change. Yeah. Nothing about the rest of the stories would change. The only because so many of these have threads that move in and out. That, that this person is also involved in this story. But these people, the only connection they have to any of the other stories is that a guy who works as a PA, like third assistant director on this porno movie, is also the friend of another subplot that probably should be excised from the film. Not could be, probably should be. Should be, yeah. Even though that is, because it belongs in a different movie. Um but that so none of that would matter the problem is is that the guy who is third assistant director on on the not quite a porn movie is also at the same time that is filming sitting in the back room of the kitchen at the wedding that is still being contested what a, what feels like 3 days later like, it does feel the, like the, a significant that wedding of time lasted a long time because the wedding is still happening in the reception while the funeral for Liam Neeson's wife is happening. So it is, it's that is, but but the one where he calls where, where he calls a Emma Thompson can't happen on the same day as the funeral. It just can't. So no. like all all of whatever. Um, Time is a construct that is not well executed here. (laughs) Colin Frissel, which is definitely a name that they that that Charles Dickens wanted to use in Oliver Twist, but never got around to. Colin Frissel um, is a guy who works sometimes as a catering waiter, sometimes as delivery guy for a deli. He's just a nobody, Um, but he believes that uh, that women owe him sex. This is the this is the problem, but it's not necessarily inaccurate. 
but uh but definitely um i mean inaccurate that these guys exist but um not great to be like this is the this is the comedy center of our film when this guy comes on screen (laughs) you're gonna laugh it's probably not the best thing to do with this guy but he's talking to his friend tony who like maybe tony if since he's a third assistant director on pornography films could introduce his mate colin to some girls who might be up for it Perhaps. I don't know. Um, Fair point. But he says, all women in Britain are, are uptight, except for, I would assume, the women that Tony works with on the pornography films, probably not as uptight as the women that he meets. Um, oh, yeah, probably likely. Um, but he says, I need to go to America. American girls are uh, uh, love guys with British accents, and they're always fun and up for anything. And Tony, to his credit, says, that's a dumb idea. Uh, little does Tony know that Colin exists in a different movie where uh, parody, like, straight out of like the Naked Gun films, is a thing that exists in Colin's movie. Uh, Tony doesn't realize that sometimes he does scenes in one movie and sometimes he does scenes in a different movie. Um, so yeah, the uh, uh, I, I swear to God, to- they edit Tony from being the third assistant director to talking to Colin in a different location and back to the same location at the same scene being the third assistant director and it's very it's he's in different clothes it's very confusing um so uh now we we also meet harry played by adam rickman um and uh he's great i will say a lot of this movie is whilst problematic very charming and a lot of it is because of the cast and yeah. not just because of their British accents. Like, it's, right. if this was miscast, this does not make a $200 million margin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so. <sighs> Harry is the, runs a graphic design firm, I think is what this is. Uh, and Laura Linney is playing Sarah. And she... Um, works there as well and he calls her his office how long have you worked here and she recites some ridiculous day thing um, and he says and how long have you been in love with uh, our enigmatic head creative director Carl Carl with a K and Carl with a K Carl with a K is, is a German man they have hired Brazilian heartthrob Rodrigo Santoro to play <laughs> Carl with a K is the I'm sorry the worst bit of casting in this movie change his name or don't hire that guy because of course of course she's in love with him but also Carl has an Carl Rodrigo Santoro Carl has a constant stream of nines and tens in and out of his bedroom throughout a Throughout throughout London. So the idea that he is secretly also pining for Sarah, the mousy English uh, American woman who he who has he has never said anything to is also, I'm sorry, a, against the, the laws of nature because Rodrigo Santoro is Rodrigo Santoro. Um, and um, anyway, her boss tells him he should go. She should go for it and ask him out or something. Uh, to because everyone who works here knows you're in love with him, including Carl, and yet Carl hasn't made the first move. So why are you not talking to Carl? 
I don't understand why you're not talking to Carl with a K, Rodrigo Santoro. You should bring yeah. him in there. Speak to him in Portuguese because that's his native native language. And <laughs> let's figure something out here. Um, but it does uh, feel weird to target the woman to be the one to make the first move, and uh, the more obvious thing of, hey, um, we should, you should, <laughs> you should make a pass at your coworker, mm-hmm. and I this am is- your boss, and I am telling you that so much of it is because it's the boss. Like if it mm-hmm. was just another coworker that was like. Mm-hmm. I've been working alongside you. I've seen you climb the corporate ladder, Mm -hmm. right? Like this whole time. I've seen you put in, and I've seen you as every time you got promoted was you just fell a little bit more in love with Carl. Like, just go. Just do something about it. If it was like her best girlfriend versus your Mm -hmm. boss is a very, very, very different thing. Right. Um. Uh, along the way, Emma Thompson is informed by her daughter that she is going to play the first lobster in the nativity play, and it is up to her to make a papier mache lobster costume for the jo- for the daughter. the 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 Christmas nativity play is central to the finish of the movie, although I could not explain to you why. <laughs> um, uh, but um, the movie is very good about only telling us the connections between the characters at a really dramatic moment occasionally. Yes. I think once. Honestly, once. But we meet Harry, Alan Rickman, head of the design firm, and we do not have any connection between him and other storylines until it's like, the, the movie goes like, bum, bum, bum! Because he has a secretary, Mia, who is literally, if 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 she disrobed and literally threw herself on top of him. She would not be coming on to him any stronger. Yes. Um, uh, this is also the the one of the chief feminist responses to this thing is that all of the women are available and yes. uh, seen through the eyes of the the idea that like this it's not unheard of certainly, but the idea that this this young woman Mia gorgeous um, throws herself at her. Um, uh 55 year old boss uh alan rickman uh who's not like charming alan rickman but like um v- bumbling Al- Al- alan rickman is is a, <laughs> is a thing that written written by a man um and uh so there's that is developing in this thing um and now we also meet um Hugh Grant who is the newly elected prime minister of England um and uh it is an it's it was like you cannot think... have a charming rom-com without Hugh Grant and then he finally right, showed he up. <laughs> right. No, he finally showed Not up. a British one. <laughs> no, it's also Richard Curtis who did Notting Hill and uh you know what what's the what's the other one? Uh Four Wings and a Funeral and other things. So like he's a Hugh Grant Hugh Grant is a staple in, in Richard Curtis movies. So yes, he's in it. But I'm trying to think of a movie that just, an American movie that incidentally has like the fifth male lead is the president. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it just, it's a weird thing to be like, this is the most important man in Britain. And he's like kind of also in this movie about a whole Wait. bunch of other different things. Is that true in Men in Black? I don't know. I don't know. Is it was the president? The in the president is I don't pretty know. low. It's Bill Pullman. He's great. Gives the big speech, but that's independence be... day. 
I'm sorry, that's Independence Day. And that's pretty much about the president. Like he's he's the guy who's you know he yeah he's it's yeah. So I'm pretty okay. I'm pretty sure anyway. Right. I'm just so, I'm I'm grasping no, no, straws no, here. No, it's fine. We're asking questions. It's important that we try and answer them. Um. So, <laughs> so, um. It's just very anyway. So he's newly elected, and um, at one point the the porn stand-ins talk about um. So a new prime minister. What do you reckon? Oh, I like him. Um, uh, I just wonder why he's never gotten married. Well, you know the type. He's always, uh, and, and again, they're simulating sex acts while having this conversation. You know the type. He's married to his job. I bet he's gay as a fruit basket. Um, and that's the whole scene is to give context for a different character. They have this scene between these two people simulating sex acts on each other while having this little, like, you know, <laughs> getting to so know you chit chat. The two of them are so much fun. I love them. <laughs> Um, uh, so, um, uh, I have to blow inter- your nose. Okay. You blow your nose. I'm just going to let people know. It's not, yeah, I'm no, not no, doing, no, 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 not no, doing no, a drug no. of any sort. Nope. Okay. So there we go. Um, so it's his first day at 10 Downing street and he comes in and meets his staff. Um, it is, uh, it's. I don't know, man. I, I I'm I'm a sh- I know there are butlers and whatnot that work at the White House, but it does feel weird that his staff is not like his um his chief of staff, and it's not like the people who work at the West West Wing TV. No, show. it's not like the cabinet. It's not, yeah, it's not his speechwriter, <laughs> and like it's not those people. It's literally this person shines your shoes every night. Would you like to meet them? And um and he once signed shoes for Winston Churchill. And it's just all this long line of people that he's that he meets, and one of them is Natalie, who is played by Martine McCutcheon, um, who is incredibly cockney and 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 charming, uh, and 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 cute, um, and uh, and 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 David, the Prime Minister, is immediately smitten with her, and he goes into his office just and is like, "Oh, that is so incredibly inconvenient," because he's, he's <laughs> he. He can't be thinking about this girl. He's got to lead the nation. Um, and uh, and so this is the thing. All this is is two thousand three. This is it's just the fact that he's not married, which makes it okay. But they're basically doing Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky as a feel good story. And I feel like even at the time, it was a bad idea. <laughs> well, it's more its more the repeated trope in here that the men are constantly in power and the women are constantly right. subservient. Um, because he's not married and it isn't a sex scandal. They're like, they're smitten. <laughs> like, like he's smitten with her. Right. Um, but it is it is constantly like, okay, a boss and the secretary, what else can we do? How about the prime minister? The prime minister and, and the girl staffer. who brings him his tea. Yeah. Like it is That's a lot it. of it is a lot of repeated um male in power, woman subservience, and then they, like, they continue to widen that gap a little bit. The, too pa- much. the power dynamics are so it's a little cringy, yeah. You know, like, not only am I your boss, I'm the boss of the country. So, yes, you do have to. 
do the thing I want you to do. You know what I mean? Like, not on, not only, not only could I have you fired, I could make sure your father loses his job and do I could do all of that. I could have I you in to, jail just because I well, feel like, like yeah. at one point later he comes on to her by saying he could have her ex-boyfriend murdered. And somehow, because it's Hugh Grant, it comes off as the most it's charming adorable. thing ever. But he's like, he's like, um, uh, no, I, uh, I just broke up with my boyfriend because he acts. He's like, um, uh, do you have any? I don't know anything about you. Do I have a, a husband, a boyfriend? And he's like, I just broke up with my boyfriend. Actually, wasn't a nice guy in the end. He said I had fat thighs, uh, and and it's like, well, I could have him murdered. Uh, <laughs> and she's like. I'll think about it, sir. Like, it's just, I'm like, <laughs> um, so, um, the thing you have to know about this part of it is that the president of America, who also has been recently elected, I guess, comes to visit. Um, and, uh, he, um, immediately hits on Natalie um, and says some really demeaning things about her to the president who laughs it off. And then he pops out of a private meeting in his quarters to go and get something to bring it back to show him. And when he comes back, Natalie has brought them tea and he's the president is coming on to Natalie. Um, And Rather than tell off the president in private or go to Natalie and be like, are you okay? I saw what happened. I just want to make sure you're doing all right. Um, We're not going to let that kind of thing stand or whatever. Instead of that, he does a public press conference where he tells off America. Not just this president, but America. And listen, that was an incredibly cathartic thing for a British audience to see in 2003, because Tony Blair had been sunned by George W. Bush ever since 9-11, and the British public hated him for it, never forgave him for it, that he gave up all of his principles because America told him, you're getting involved in this thing too. And he's like, well, uh, quite right. Well, yes. <laughs> I, I, I shall. Um, and they hated him for it. So... Him giving this speech where he tells like this whole thing about how proud Britain is and we're not going to take this from a bully because bullies only resp- uh, respond to strength. I'm prepared to be much stronger. And everyone, like the music swells and everyone's cheering and like they, everyone w- listening to this on the radio, other people in their storylines cheer in their own living room. And like, hooray, we won the war against Germany. Like it's this crazy thing. It's the greatest thing a prime minister has ever done. And and that is that, in, and, in, and instead of all of that, Instead of him just being like, hey, Natalie, I just wanted to check and make sure you're okay. Uh, he goes, I shall declare war on the United States. <laughs> it is such a weird, misplaced thing to do. But it it's is, very especially funny. when, like, he's not much better from his aspect. No, like, no. <laughs> no. no. It is a very yeah. grand, there's a lot of grand gestures in this movie. Um yeah. This is a little over the top considering he also like 
has a thing for her. <laughs> well, it's also like, no, you can't hit on my tea lady. I'm I the only one who gets to hit on my tea lady. <laughs> it's this weird, like, I don't know, like it's proprietary thing. for hitting on the tea lady. He's getting a little territorial with Billy Bob Thornton, by the way, is playing the president. He is playing, <laughs> by the way, a perfect amalgam of Bill Clinton and George W. Bush. Yeah. A perfect amalgam of the both of them. It is, uh, he's it's smarmy and slick like Bill Clinton and has the politics of George W. Bush. I can't I imagine like... a worse thing. Like, <laughs> it was perfect. 2003, that was the worst we could have imagined as president. I. In 2003. The only thing I like remember about Billy Bob Thornton is the weird Angelina Jolie stuff. Like I don't remember seeing him in a movie. So oh. seeing him and being like, "Oh, he's really good," was a very <laughs> kind of. Keep in mind too, I'm like hundred degree fever at this point right, watching right. the movie. This broke my brain to realize like Billy Bob Thornton is like a good actor, not someone that just like mm. exchanged files oh, of blood was... with Angelina Jolie. I think he's a he's a great actor. He just doesn't do a lot of great movies um, and hasn't recently in a long time. Um, but uh, in 2003, he was definitely still riding high. Um, so it was a cool little coup that they got him for this. But later, like in the next, like the next scenes, we ever see him. Um, this one goes out to a badass prime minister. Uh, thank you, sir, or whatever. And they play um, uh, what Punk is, is um, Dead. That's all I could think was Punk is Dead if you're playing songs. What is that song? It's very famous that they play it in this particular. It's a Pointer Sisters or somebody. Uh, is, I'm so excited. Is that what it is? Something like that. It's, I, it? I, what, I don't remember what it was. I, mean, I don't know. It might have been. I'm so excited. What's it it might have been. But he's. he's d- dancing um the heat is on no it's not it um he's 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 dancing it's playing on a tiny little radio in his bedroom right and then he starts dancing in his bedroom and he dances throughout the entire house there's no way he could still hear the radio from where he is and he's still dancing to it and i guess he has to dance throughout the entire house a for the funniness of him dancing down the stairs but also so that he could run into a different servant um, who, 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 like, while he's dancing and be like, ah, yes, well, I think we'll move the meeting tomorrow till 4 p.m. with the prime minister of whatever that is. And that's, that's it. He's, uh, he's adorable. He's adorable. <laughs> it's a, this is the insidious thing about this movie is that so many of these characters, because they're played by great actors, are adorable and they don't realize what this movie is actually funneling to you is bad. Yeah. <laughs> or like in my case, because I was watching it for the first time when all this discourse right. had happened, I acknowledge it and then I actively dismiss it and I said it to enjoy the film. Like I yeah. just I knew it all. <laughs> um but yeah. him dancing down the stairs and stuff, look sometimes you get a little song in your head and you continue to dance whether you can hear that song or not alex Mm -hmm. i'm not saying i do that on a consistent basis in my apartment but i am saying that i do that on a consistent basis in my apartment um okay so again all this is being told by us out of order because it all is like scene 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 sc
Um, so I'm going to talk now about Jamie, who has fled the nation. He has <laughs> fled the country because his girlfriend cheated on him with his brother. Correct. And he is he is he's now going to spend the holidays in in France uh, at, at a cottage on a lake outside Marseille. Um, and uh, the woman who it's a place he always comes back to. Um, and the woman who owns it, who rents it to him, uh, has found a new woman to come and clean his house while he is there because he's a giant British slob. And British people need servants. Obviously, they couldn't possibly be asked to pick up a broom. Obviously. Or do their own laundry. Um, so Colin she, Firth is picking up a broom? No. Um, he, the girl they present to him as his new cleaning lady is Aurelia. She is... Um, uh, Portuguese. She's from, um, and she lives. Her. Everything's <laughs> fine. It was just <laughs> his. Um, his. Her. Her entire family also lives in Marseille. Um, there's. A, I don't know if there's like a little Portugal or a little Lisbon, <laughs> um, Portugal town that that is in Marseille. Uh, but that'll come in handy later. Um. She does not speak a lick of English, and he does not speak a lick of Portuguese. But let's not let that stand in the way of them falling in love. They both speak love. Okay. Um, the, 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 the other insidious thing about this is that in the beginning five minutes of the movie, when, um, when uh, Mark has All You Need Is Love played at the, at the wedding, that seems to be the... the the through line of the entire film. The theme is all you need is love. Whatever love is to you, let's not try and define it, but all you need is love. And if, if, if you think that love is, I fled the nation because my girlfriend slept <laughs> with my brother and I live in a cottage in France now. And my cleaning lady is Portuguese. And one time I was dumb enough to bring my entire manuscript that I wrote on a typewriter because I am a man in 2003, 40-ish, <laughs> and have not learned how to use a computer. I typed the whole thing out so there is one copy of this book that I am writing. One copy, and I have left all of the pages uncovered by a lake, and then a, a gust of wind blows them into the lake, ruining my entire novel. When my cleaning lady takes it upon herself to disrobe down to her bra and panties and jump into the lake, I am now in love with her. And she is in love with me because I'm Colin Firth. And that is love. And all you need is that to make this movie work. Because I'm Colin Firth is fair. But... Mm. <laughs> This is see this is troublesome because I am not I'm not like the world's most romantic person. So mm. <laughs> like I do feel like circumstances apply. Right. And this storyline a bridge too far for a good old Kate here. Yeah. Uh this was this was a tough one. Don't blame you. I had to look up again when this movie was made because of the typewriter thing and I was like you're an idiot like it just <laughs> I was like maybe she fell for your brother because you're stupid like if it, it, it's a stack of papers this high and it's no backup 
and no backup, no backup. But the thing is, there's no reason why you have all of those. All of that's your entire book. You didn't type that today. You brought that with you down to the thing. Like typing, like the chapter before this one, you want to do some little references to. Fine, but the like the chapter you're currently typing probably should be the only one that's by the lake. Also, they talk about how cold it is. Yeah. Why are you typing outside if it's cold? Why are you typing outside if you're cold? And honestly, why are you disrobing to Rob Pacey if it's this cold? Just jump in in your clothes if you're going to make that grand gesture. But my takeaway from this whole thing was that Colin Firth is an idiot. And even adorable, charming Colin Firth couldn't win me over with this. This was really, really rough. Because um, I was you're dumb. And I understand why your partner left you for your... Yeah. brother because also you're an idiot she disrobes <laughs> to a bra and panties to jump in off the dock into this lake to retrieve all of his pages of his manuscript the camera pulls in a little too tight and a little too long on a tramp stamp tattoo yeah. and it's being being seen through the eyes of colin firth so it's like oh she must be up for anything yeah this is it's this weird thing that like like the permission thing is weird like right and but then he says oh now she's gonna think you're you're an asshole if you don't jump in too and he falls in fully clothed so like the idea that um because he's clumsy i guess but also Uh, like the there's no there's no there's no like trade-off where like the ladies in the audience get a look at colin firth's very pasty (laughs) <laughs> non-chest you know what i mean like i don't i don't know like i don't know what that is to be clear for like the male gaze thing like if you're jumping into a lake your clothes are clinging to you clinging to you clinging to you right you right right need to, like go the extra step on this no i don't know but, but, but they... this, i was like you almost this one felt like they started with the trope that they wanted and reverse right. engineered into the storyline right. like this one was too far because i was like you wanted this moment and it felt like you worked backwards from there instead of what you wrote leading to this moment like the other stuff that's problematic because of the acting performances and the layers like you at least feel like there's pieces of it that are are organic like with the boss trying to get his subordinate to come on to another subordinate you're like they established that they've been um in a working relationship for a decade. So you're like, okay, at least he knows her personally, even though it's a wildly inappropriate thing to do. Like this felt so forced because they don't speak the same language and stuff. Like, and it really, uh, I was like, and I, I'm not like in love with Colin Firth, but I do find him adorable. And I was like, if, if you can't win me over with Colin Firth, you've, you've done something wrong here. You've got me. Yeah, I, I, I do feel like Colin Firth in this movie, uh, is relying a lot on Colin Firth in other movies to have already established an attraction between the, the females in the audience. You know what I mean? Like the women in the audience definitely saw the Bridget Jones movies and were like, I'm in. Doesn't matter what he does in this movie, I'm in. It doesn't. It doesn't. I, I saw him in the original Pride and Prejudice as Mr. Darcy. I'm in. I'm I don't so care. Um, I know that uh, in a decade from now, this guy is going to overcome a stutter and he's going to lead us. He's going to take over as prime minister from adorable Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) no, he was the king, right? Yeah, 
Thanks. The king. The king's speech. Um, My God. So, uh, anyway, um, he ends up like driving her back to her neighborhood from the house. I don't know how she gets there. Somebody drops her off and he drives her back. Oh, yeah. It's a weird thing. Um, anyway, um, so they fall in love because they fell into a pond together. <laughs> That's all it takes. That's all it takes, man. The um, amount of relationships I've had because I just right. was boating and a klutz. <laughs> right. There you go. Um, the <coughs> Now we find Daniel, I believe is his name, Liam Neeson, who is finally talking to his stepson, who is could not be cuter. Little Thomas Sexter. Um, and uh and the reason he's he's like I just like of course I'm sad about mom, but mostly I'm in love. And at that point, I feel like they don't bring up mom ever again. Like I'm in Pretty love much, with the, yeah. I'm eleven and I'm in love with a classmate of mine. That is what I am crying about because I'm I am horribly in love, uh, as opposed to my mom died. Not a combination of the two. Honestly, mom, it was only a matter of mom time. Sucked. But th- but this my the rest of my life I could be spending with this with this girl. Um also there is a weird deal that the movie does not have to do that makes it weirder. The girl he's in love with is named Joanna, which was also his mom's name, which just makes it to me unnecessarily weird. Like if that's the if that's if it's a real life thing, fine. But like you decided, we're going to make that a thing. We're going to mention it once and never bring it up again. That is a psychological thing. Like he's part of the reason why this 11 year old doesn't really know what love is. Let's be honest. Um, is in love with this girl is because he's, he's conflating him missing his mom with wanting something else to like fill the void. And it's also, but, but we're just going to put it in there and, and dismiss it and move on with it. Um, I think it's supposed to read as like, like oh, right, like oh, it's supposed as, to but as like a timeless thing. But it's like if you hadn't established that the mom had died so recently, so recently, like it would be a lot cuter if it was like, yeah, I lost my mom when I was five, and now he's eleven, right. and this girl ha- happens to right. have the same name. But it was like, right. <laughs> it, right. it reads real weird when it's like. Her funeral was just the other day of this wedding that still might be going on, for all I know. Um, oh, there's the funeral, though. It's like, um, this next bit is, um, uh, I talked long and hard with my little dear Joanna about, um, when she first brought it up to me, I said, over my dead body. And she said, no, Daniel, over mine. So now we're going to say goodbye to our beautiful darling Joanna in the words of the Bay City Rollers. And then uh, they play "Bye Bye Baby" and with us with a, and then and "Bye Bye Baby" is playing the actual chorus as they walk out as pallbearers. Bye bye, bye bye. <laughs> Not like a like like a metaphorical thing of like like a figurative bye bye. No. We won't see you again. But literally, we're waving Aye. goodbye to your corpse as well. Goodbye. Um. But uh, so he's gonna. He's decided he's going to help his son, stepson, get the girl. But she's also leaving at the end of the semester, and he's like, "This is it's a perfect time to do a big gesture and tell her that you love her." 
uh, because you'll regret it for the rest of your life if you don't. Um, but not, but but she never doesn't know who I am. Oh, let's watch Titanic together. You know, as a as a forty five year old and his ste- his eleven year old stepson would definitely do. Let's watch Titanic together and reenact the part where they sit on the bow of the ship and do the thing. And then, um, uh, and then he's like, "Oh, I know. There's a big Christmas pageant thing." Um, uh, I'm going to play in the band. I'm going to learn how to play an instrument really, really well in about six days. And I'll play in the band and then she'll have to fall in love with me. And and Liam Neeson says, I think that's a great idea because Liam Neeson is a bad father. He's a bad father. And 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 that's that's how that's how that goes. I'm not going to go into much more detail than that, but that's about it. Yeah, that's pretty much... It's uh... <laughs> pretty much all you need to know. Thomas Sangster. Um, um, justice for band geeks. I will say that. Thomas Sangster, the cute, is a cute, is really good. Is a cute little kid. Adorable, He's, um, adorable little toe-headed kid. It's great. Um, and uh, and Liam Neeson is working as it, it, it. It's it's a it's a sweet little storyline that n- nothing really happens in. There's this one weird part. Where he's like, um, I'm gonna one day I'm gonna meet Claudia Schiffer, I think, and we're gonna kick you out of the house. It's like you 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 gonna oh, kick yeah. me out of the house? Oh no, nope. We're going to want to have sex in every in every room in the house, including yours. To his eleven year old son, who just lost his mom like two weeks ago. Yeah, it's real weird. I'm good. I'm telling you, I'm going to meet, this is a fantasy of mine, I'm going to meet the supermodel Claudia Schiffer. And when I do, we're going to have a lot of sex in your bedroom. Thereby dishonoring the member, the memory of your mother forever. And like you're 11, how are you supposed to, gra- like... I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um so weird. Vulnerable uh, Liam Neeson is weird in general, by the way. Right. Um, He's really so, good, but mm-hmm. it's weird. So, um, uh, this is where um, Juliet gets a hold of Mark because uh, they 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 got they got back seventeen year old child bride Kira Knightley says that her the wedding video recorded by the professionals came out all blue and wibbly. Um, um, I just want to get one shot of myself in a wedding dress. Isn't, isn't bright turquoise. Um, and, uh, and Mark is like, nah, everything's bad. It's uh, the, the, the video that I shot on my own personal camcorder. Yeah. You don't want to look at it. It's bad. And then she just shows up at his door to look at the thing. And, and he lets her in and, uh, says, I, I probably wiped it. Uh, it's, I don't have it here. I, I don't even know where it is. Is it this one that says, Juliet and Peter's wedding and puts it in the thing and it's uh it's it is a confession to a crime that is that is what this th- this if you found this video in in the belongings of a serial killer this is exhibit A through Z and he's put to put away for the rest of his life because it's just lingering slow motion close-ups of her mouth it's real creepy that, that is what uh, uh, Mark has, and she looks at, it's like, oh, look, I'm very pretty. And this is, oh, it's, it's all of me. But, and, and, um, and then she, she like turns to ask him a question, realizes, oh my God, my, my husband's best friend 
is in love with me and is probably going to murder me and have sex with my corpse. Yeah. Like I should not be a, her. Like her my first, skin is going to be a suit in about her now. first yeah. thought is I need to get out of this apartment right now. Be. There's no other thing be, you can think, but it's not. <laughs> um, she turns to him when the video is done playing and she goes, but you hate me. You never talk to me. Why? And he's like, it's a self-preservation thing. I I gotta go. And he just walks outside and it's super cold and he's wearing just a, a little a jumper. And that's it. And he's and and he and he does this weird thing where he like decides whether or not to go back in and talk to her like eight times, and then he walks away and takes a, a long walk by himself on a bridge and probably jumps off of it, but he doesn't actually. Um and and so that's 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 that storyline. Um so yeah. At that point, he's got to change his name and move to a different yeah. part of the of the country because yeah. there's no way you can talk to anybody. Um This is a this is a rough one if you're this guy. And, like there's and no honestly, like this. Kira Knightley never brings that up to her husband. Like she, Not that here, we she see, found, no. no, but she should have run from that house and she she should have called Scotland Yard. Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, can we figure out what are we doing? Um uh it is yeah, that wow. Um so so that's where that ends. I'm trying to like fight everything standing where it is. Uh, Bill Nye goes on all the he goes talks to a radio DJ, he goes on some like TRL type program trying to shill. Yes. His song, uh, there's a, there's, he's, he's very naughty. Uh, is, is, um, did you want anything, do you have anything to say to the children out there who are watching? Oh, yes, children. Um, don't buy drugs. Become a pop star and they give them to you for free. Like, he's a very naughty old man. Um, and, um, so, uh, he, uh, so that's what, that's going on there. Uh, 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 at some point, about halfway through the film, we are we we see Emma Thompson. Oh, who um oh he she she calls this is what happens. She calls Hugh Grant, and we find out that she is actually Hugh Grant's sister. Uh the Prime Minister's sister. That's the connection she has to that story. You know who she is in relation to somebody. To somebody. <laughs> and then she she hangs up the phone after calling, is like, What have you done? I'm so proud of you for declaring war on America. It's the best thing we've ever done as a country. <laughs> um and uh um because you know America would totally bomb England if, if somebody said that to the president. Oh um, yeah. Um uh so um so she 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 she's like, Oh, don't hang up. I oh, I oh one thing about being the Prime Minister's sister, they don't tell you blah 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 blah. And then she turns to her husband, who is Alan Rickman. Hey. For the first time going like, oh, damn. Because there's, <laughs> there's, there's no indication whatsoever of uh, of them being, of, of, we know Harry's married probably. Like, I think she references his wife. Yes. The, the secretary references his wife. We don't have, a, don't know who that is. We haven't, we, as far as we know, we haven't, we haven't met her yet. So we go, Oh, he's not going to cheat on Emma Thompson, is he? How dare he? Like there is this, there's this really cool moment when you when you realize for the first time that they happen to be connected. That's honestly the, one of the best things about this movie is waiting until this particular moment to like, tell those two things. 
Um, Because emotionally, uh, it does, you like now retroactively have different feelings toward mm -hmm. certain characters, which is a pretty cool. That's probably the biggest success of the movie. And because you're right, there's a lot of places where like this is very ambitious and it doesn't work. And then once this domino falls, you're like, oh, how are all these dominoes going to fall is a, is a pretty cool point to get to. So, um, we, um, so this is where we find out that, uh, Emma Thompson loves Joni Mitchell. And somehow this is news to her husband of 13 years who she has had two children with. Um, that, that uh, anyway, um, and uh, your Joni Mitchell taught your cold English wife how to feel, um, uh, and then, then uh, I suppose that some thanks are in order. Uh, we are very British, um, and um, <laughs> she's so wonderful, man. Yes, like, so and so is he, but she just uh, what she brings to everything she plays is is so special. Right. Um. So, um. There's the office Christmas party, um, where yeah, (laughs) where Mia the secretary just straight up hits on him in front of the wife, and the wife is like, "I'm going to be aware of that." Um, Emma Emma Thompson's like, "I'm I'm aware of this now, but I don't know, you know." Um, Bookmarked, yeah, bookmarked. Um, And also uh, Laura Linney and uh, Carl Rodrigo Rodrigo Carl. Um, have a share a dance throughout the film. We have seen her um, take phone calls from somebody who she calls Babe. Yes, I actually know what this is. Pardon me, I have the hiccups. Um, but they go back to her flat, and she celebrates. She does a little dance in a stairwell where he can't see her. He see her, and they go up to her little loft bedroom and uh, are beginning to make love when the phone rings. Um, and she, excuse me, she says uh, she realized that this is her brother who is uh, mentally ill and in uh, an institution somewhere who calls her um, pretty frequently. Um, and their parents are both dead. And so she's the only thing he's got left. And this is the clumsiest part of the movie while also being the most emotionally um, uh, affecting. Yeah. And it is, it is kind of a magic trick. The movie f- figures out a way to do both of those things at the same time <laughs> because it really is very clumsy, um, this whole thing of like... So she has been in love with Carl... For years, Carl apparently has been harboring a, a crush on her for years, um, and they're about to make love, and um, and she has to go and talk to her brother, who needs her right now, I guess. And it is implied and shown actually in the epilogue of the movie that if she leaves. The bedroom, now, she'll never be able to have sex with Carl. Because because as a woman, you can choose to be a fully sexualized being in charge of your own romantic interests, 
or you can have a family. Yeah. You cannot do both. Because Emma Thompson is certainly not in charge of her own sexualized being. She has nope. a family now. And so Laura Linney has 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 a uh, a brother who is basically a child and therefore cannot can never have sex with Carl. There, there's no there's no indication that they could ever like pick this up. Let's actually, instead of doing this in a rash way after a party when we're both you know, like, let's go out for drinks and then dinner. And then like, and maybe we'll, we'll, we'll actually get to know each other more than just like Outside at work. work. Yeah. And, and then we might start a relationship. The fact that like the sex that must happen now after the office party is the only way we will ever be able to couple. And if we don't couple now, we shall never couple. It'll be a conscious non-coupling. <laughs> never be a, never wait a way to couple. And I, I just feel like that's a very clumsy way of telling this story, um, and um, and it is affecting much... when she goes and and sees the brother, and the brother is in serious bad shape. He's schizophrenic, paranoid, whatever. Uh, but it also doesn't feel like the uh, the institution is doing a very good job of tre- treating him. I also felt like the brother was going to be British. Yeah, like it was her half brother. Or something that she didn't know about until like her parents died, and like that's now she feels like that's why she's living in London, in London because yeah. he is British and he is getting treatment from the British health system, so she had to find a job in Britain. But he's also American, and so I have zero idea why they're here. But uh, does lean heavy handed into like the eh, the moment's gone, we're never gonna do this, as we find out. Um, which doesn't work when you've already established how long these persistent crushes have been going on. Um, I could see that, like, if it was, like, a one-night thing and they had just met, the moment's gone, whatever. Uh, but it is, it is a, a heart-wrenching thing. Like, it, it really, um, because Laura Linney's so good, um, it does... It, it does such a good job of blindsiding you with the fact that, like, the thing that her boss saw was this office crush, and the thing that's the most emotionally taxing in her life you don't even find out about until this moment, um, is is a it's a really affecting reveal, as you said. Like, there's a lot of emotional weight behind it. Yeah. Also kind of um, makes Carl look like an asshole of like, hey, you took yeah. this phone call. Is there something going on? <laughs> like, like, like she explains to him that her, her brother is in a mental institution. He's not well. And I have to look after him since our parents died. And he's like, have sex with me now or never. Are we fucking? Because is, is basically <laughs> what he says to her is implied. Yeah, um, it's a little. Uh... Especially for someone who like they established like he's not at like a shortage for sexual encounters. So if this is like something that meant something for him, mm-hmm. like you think maybe it's not like he hasn't gotten lay in years. Like that's not the portrayal we get of him. So you would think if it's someone that he's like actually had an emotional connection with, he would set yeah. that aside. But yeah. Okay. Let's wrap up all of these loose plot lines. That we've <laughs> everything happened. Everything, everything comes to a head basically at, on Christmas Eve. Um, Jamie goes home to uh, he says goodbye to her drops her off someplace 
and like I will miss you. She says in in uh, uh, I'm in love. She basically says I'm yours or whatever. There's a lot of I'm yours said from the women to the men. Is that like a possessive thing? And that's weird. Um, but she's like, I'm yours. She says in Portuguese, but he doesn't understand. And she cries when she walks away from him. So he goes back and he like takes in the days before what's the, what's the app where you can learn languages on your phone. And then before Duolingo. that, you actually, <laughs> Duol, in the days before Duolingo, you had to go to an actual place and put big headphones on your head that I know a lot about and listen to Portuguese and try and say it. Um, so he's trying to speak Portuguese, I guess. Just in case she cleans his house next Christmas. Um, and so, um, oh, and and uh, Hugh Grant uh, says we have to re- re- redistribute um, Natalie, which means she got fired. Like, not like have her have her get tea for a different prime, a, diff- the, the, a different guy. No, no, no. She's just fired. And the reason is like this is uh, you know Natalie, uh, the chubby girl, sir. And the way he's a, would we call her chubby? Um, it's like, uh, yes, a, a sizable ass there, sir, says this other woman. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a huge thighs. It says, um, anyway, uh, let's just redistribute her. And she's like, it's done. And so now he doesn't have to worry about falling in love with his immediate subordinate, which is honestly a good thing. You should definitely not fall in love with your immediate subordinate. That's not good. Um, uh, so then... Um, he, uh, so, uh, oh, uh, uh, Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson go Christmas shopping for, uh, for grandparents and their kids and everything. And she leaves him alone near the jewelry counter and he, uh, ends up buying a, a, a piece of jewelry, um, for like 280 pounds, um, uh, which is not that. Nice of a good looking piece of jewelry. This is like solid gold. No, like, and it was not the guy it was, who owns a design firm, we think. No, it's, right? it's, yeah. I don't know. It's not, 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 not a nice piece of jewelry. Anyway, he buys it from Mia. And he uh, Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean, is takes way too long to wrap up the, the, the purchase. And so he almost gets caught by Emma Thompson. We never see him go back and purchase the thing because he doesn't actually purchase it. So he has to go back and purchase it later. And Emma Thompson, while snooping around for her gifts, finds a necklace in his coat pocket and assumes it's for her because who else would it be for? Of course. Um, right. Um, and uh, then uh, on Christmas Eve, uh, he gives her the, the the box that she assumes is it's not actually the the necklace it's a Joni Mitchell CD and it's like greatest hits Joni Mitchell so like the 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 husband finds out that her, yeah. that her that that her her his wife's favorite recording artist is Joni Mitchell and gets her a greatest hits CD when she obviously owns all of these songs on the original albums yeah um this is honestly not great um and um. Uh, and then, and then in the in the movie's most touching and sad scene, she she goes into the bedroom to stand there and cry while listening to the CD. By yeah, herself. it's it's just like uh, wow, because she's Emma Thompson's amazing and makes this somehow work when it's just like so thankless. Um, but then they all have to go to the Christmas pageant, and David, uh, the prime minister, reads a, a letter, um, and the letter. Um, the, the, a selection of Christmas cards sent from everybody all over the kingdom. And uh, one of them happens to be from Natalie because the odds of that, honestly. Um, but in it, she like confesses and she apologizes 
for yeah. the president hitting on her in this letter to her boss who then fired her yes. which for and honestly in her mind it must look like he fired me for getting hit on by the president of the, the United president States. yeah and so she writes him a love letter saying i'm sorry the president hit on me Leading to, by the way, if I don't get hit on by the president, you don't have that speech. And you are not the most beloved prime minister of, of England since Benjamin Disraeli. Honestly, I don't even know if he was beloved or not. So by his like knowing that I know that, that was He's just like picking one. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, uh <laughs> but anyway, um the uh so he's like, oh well, if she's I'm actually yours, Natalie. And she's like, um all, all, all we knows is all he knows is that she lives in in Wadsworth, the dodgy end, um, and he um, says my sister lives in Wadsworth. I don't know if it's a dodgy end or not. Um, but anyway, he's like, I need a car, and he right now, and he leaves. He gets in the car and they drive, and they're gonna go to Wadsworth, the dodgy end, and it's a long. All the houses look the same, and he's knocking on all the doors or whatever, and they're trying to find it. And some little kids go, "Are you singing carols?" Um, and oh, please, sir. And he's a good king, Wenceslas looked out. And then his driver's like, Oh, and the snow lay round about. It's a great little scene, it's cute. Um, and then uh, he does find Natalie's house somehow. And here, and they're all leaving to go to the Christmas pageant. And her father calls her plumpy to the face of the prime minister. They're so mean. It's like, Um, I just need Natalie. Uh, they all go driving to the to the thing all together um it's like and, the uh, fat girl in greece who wasn't fat but they just yeah. called her fat the whole movie you're just like, yeah yeah um and um uh and so they try and confess to each other they're in love with each other while a child dresses an octopus is sitting between them in this car and they get to the thing uh we'll talk more about that in a second so also uh mark decides to show up is honestly the worst thing about the movie uh honestly the context of it he just shows up at peter and juliet's flat she <laughs> has not seen him or heard from him since that fateful day where she basically forced her way into his house and then found evidence of him wanting to wear her as a suit yes. and um um and and so he shows up with a boom box and, and, and the first cue card says say it's carolers and and she says, it's Carolers up the stairs to Peter, who says, give him a quid and tell him to sod off. She does not do that. Uh, so he plays what is obviously a studio produced recording of A Christmas Carol. Not like it would sound as if eight people in various states of being able to sing yes. were standing outside. It's a studio produced thing of one person singing. And Peter upstairs is immediately suspicious of this. Um, so, uh, she, he, the whole thing says like, um, uh, uh, I, to me, you are perfect is the thing that everyone remembers. But he also says like, let me say without hope or agenda on Christmas and at Christmas, you tell the truth. My wasted soul will love you. Until you look like this. Not until I look like this. Until you look like this. And it's like a mummy. Because when you get old, I won't love you anymore. Right. That's basically what he says. Um, and uh, and she laughs at this. And then, um, and like, his leg says, um, 
I to me you are perfect and I and I will love you forever. Not I'm really sorry about this. I hope we can be friends. I'm going to take some time away from you and Peter. Yeah. And in about four months, I'm going to give you guys a call and see what we can do. That's not what he writes in the cue cards. On the cue cards, he writes, you are perfect and I will love you forever. And then he leaves and she runs after him to give him a kiss on the lips. To seal to seal for him a man who is obsessed with her that they are only going to be friends now. Yeah. She kisses him on the mouth. This is a guy who is completely obsessed with her. Any guy who feels that way about her would take that as a sign. All I got to do is keep doing these ridiculous things. And eventually she's going to leave my soon to be former best friend and be married to me. This 17 year old child. But this, this always felt weird to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, this is not. Because it's not romantic. Like, there, there's nothing romantic about it, except it for is, that the gesture is... viewed by the general populace as being one of the most romantic things that's ever happened in the movie, but they forget that it wasn't about that. It was about him saying goodbye. As the... And then my thought, as I had forgotten, like, this later is what in the film... Book moments and not matches, Alex. <laughs> in the... True. In the epilogue... They're all friends again. Yeah. He just needed uh, that one kiss and he got over it. Like, I don't, it's, um, because the context for this is like, hey, I filmed your mouth at your wedding. <laughs> it's like very, very, very uncomfortable. Um, um, he needed serious therapy and not like a, like a smooch. Um, so I want to make sure everything else that I know here, um, okay, I'll take, I'll, I'll do that one last. So, um, the, Billy Mac does have the number one song. He has promised yeah. that if he gets to number one, he will play the song Stark Naked at midnight on Christmas Eve. Um, and uh, and so he does, but only after like realizing that instead of like um, going to Elton John's house, and um, there were an inordinate number of, uh, of beautiful girls hanging around with their mouths open, but instead I decided to come over and spend the holidays with you because sick, ridiculous state of the world as it is, you turned out <laughs> to be the fucking lord love of my life. <laughs> And and um and then it's like one it's like one hour at, at Elton John's you're gay as a maypole like can't there be platonic love between two old friends yeah without, without insinuating there's got to be gay yeah movie. come on <laughs> come on that was honestly um, um completely different but one of my favorite things about the way the show House ended which is God some of that series is just brilliant but it was like. It was two male friends riding off into the sunset together. And you never see that. But we certainly did not see that here. Um, so, um, the 
so so there's so then anyway they like at the end of this the story he says um uh, now since he's like hey it's, it's been an honor and this is like all right well let now let's get pissed and watch porn <laughs> is what is what this movie ass- assumes two men in their 50s will do when hanging out on christmas oh, eve oh yeah okay um so everything else now i believe happens with the exception of Colin and the Americans, who I'll talk about after this, <laughs> um, happens at the at Christmas pageant where David and Natalie show up. Um, David runs into his sister there. It's like I always tell your secretary, secretary about these things, and I never expect you're actually going to show up. It's so great that you're here. It's like yes, but I I should probably hang back. I don't want to upstage everything, so I'm going to hang back and watch from a different area. And Natalie says, "You can come backstage with me, right?" Um, uh, Daniel is there with his son, who is now the drummer, who's learned how to drum really well, honestly, for an 11-year-old in six days. In six days, yeah. And he's the drummer in this particular part of the pageant. Um, uh, so um, he drums for All of Christmas Is You uh, by Mariah Carey, sung by Joanna, um, who is the third black character in this movie, uh, progressive. And... Um, <laughs> It, she sings beautifully, and um, he's in love with her. Uh, whatever. That's that's the, the major number of, of this song is this particular uh, of, this, of this movie is this song. And um, uh, so, at the end of the whole thing, the set collapses, and the and and whatever whatever happens, and there we see um, Natalie smooching with the prime minister, who's got like lipstick all over his face. And, uh, and like just have a little bow and everything to be fine. This will not be a scandal that will rock Western democracy you for years to come. Declared war on America because the president hit on this woman. And, and <laughs> you declared war on America <laughs> and were found two days later canoodling at an elementary school <laughs> Christmas pageant. With said girl. Doing over the clove stuff. No, we don't know it's the same girl, but how fast do you think the British tabloids are going to figure that oh out? Oh my God, they figured it out before they even kissed. Are you kidding? This is an Who international was in the and of Wadsworth. They were all over him. Thousands of men and women will die on a battlefield somewhere <laughs> because of this moment. <laughs> this is not good. I'm telling you. Um, uh, so then, after this whole thing happens, Daniel uh, talks to his son. He's like, she's leaving for America. Her flight. She has to leave from the Christmas pageant to get on a plane to fly to America right now. It's like, that's a great idea. Let's follow her to the airport. I'm like, okay, just give me one second. It never explains why the kid has to go and do something. But he's, it's why Daniel has to wait there to get bumped into by Claudia Schiffer. Not actual Claudia Schiffer, because she says her name is Carol. If it was actual Claudia Schiffer, that might be something. It's not. It's just a woman who looks exactly like her because she's being played by Claudia Schiffer. But now we know that eventually he is going to have sex in every room of the house, including his son's bedroom Correct. with this woman named Carol who looks like Claudia Schiffer. His wife is not yet cold <laughs> in the ground. This movie. Still charming, but does not matter. It doesn't mean it have its faults. So they're going to speed through traffic to get to the airport. That's Post nine eleven, to get this kid to find his his, his girl. To, to, anyway, also after the pageant, um, Emma Thompson confronts 
Alan Rickman. It's like, let's say you were me, and um, you you found a necklace that your husband bought for somebody else who wasn't you, and you and you would you, would you wait around to find out if it was just a necklace, or if it was um, sex and a necklace, or even worse, if it was a necklace and love. Um, and uh, he's like, and he goes, "Oh, I am so in the wrong." Like, what? What a wonderful, like, bloody <laughs> British way to go. I'm fucked. I will hire a divorce lawyer. You're right. I'm so sorry. Take but me like, to the bank. I, I am so in the wrong. Um, and uh, and it's never really resolved. No, which no, I, never resolved. I I hate and liked at the same time because a lot of. Like, if you're because in a marriage for a long time, you try and make things like that work out, but they can't work out, and whatever. Yeah. Like, there's so, um, I, that was the one where I'm like, of all the one of the things that would be unresolved, like, this feels like it should be left that way, almost. He never sleeps with her, never kisses her, never does anything but slow dance with her at a, at a, at a party. Yeah. It's a, it's, like, he was thinking about it, sure, he bought her. An expensive gift. Honestly, if honestly, if he had bought an identical piece of jewelry for his wife, just given them both, one to the secretary, one that he would have been in the clear. But like, mm-hmm. but that's not. What, but honestly, um, it is. It, he is definitely in the wrong. But nothing has happened, and maybe with a little bit of couples therapy, they get through this. But they're British, so that does not exist. So right. um, uh, stiff up a lip and all that. Um, and so. That and Jamie, yes, goes to goes to meet his family for Christmas, and then leaves immediately. He takes he brings armloads of gifts and then leaves with them. He doesn't even leave them there. And then we get all the kids going, "I hate Uncle Jamie." I hate <laughs> Uncle Jamie. And then he drives to the airport and flies to Marseille and gets in a cab and goes to um to. Her house, I guess he has the 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 um the the address of his cleaning lady. The prime minister doesn't have the address of his tea lady, but Jamie the novelist has the address of his cleaning lady. It goes there and opens the door, and a, a, a man o- opens the door, and he's and he says in broken Portuguese, "I would like to marry your daughter." And he says, "Oh yeah, come out." And it's a different daughter, but she's fat and definitely is not the. <laughs> couldn't possibly be the daughter that he's here for um and it's like um uh i don't know who that i don't know who this is like who cares he's willing to marry you because you're fat where else would you get a a, a man so let's she's working at as a waitress in some portuguese restaurant in marseille we'll all walk there together and so they're walking and the other the fat daughter says to people sitting in an outdoor cafe Father is going to sell uh, sell Aurelia to this Englishman. Come on. And they all walk together. And she says, you better not say yes, father. And then the father says to his own daughter, shut up, Miss Duncan Donuts. The movie just has too much of this, I would, I would say. Um, they so much of get... it. And so much of it's so unforced, to your point. Like, yeah. just right. so out of the way to fat shame. So he finally gets to the restaurant. They bring out the waitress in front of all of these people who not all of them should speak Portuguese. It's we're in Marseille. Like it's a Portuguese <laughs> restaurant in Portugal town 
or whatever, little little Lisbon, but there's no there's no way that I, whatever. So um, he speaks in broken Portuguese that is subtitled, so you can tell how broken the Portuguese is. Of course, that he that he is, wants to marry her, and he says, "I know this is crazy. Of course you're going to say no, but it's Christmas, so I just wanted to check." And then she says in broken English, because she's been also studying, ha ha, they're in love, um, that, uh, that um, yes, is being my answer. Um, she says, you learned English? And says, she says, just in cases. Isn't that cute? Aww. They're, they're going to be married now. That's insane. It is. It's like the most insane one of all the insane ones. Mm-hmm. The only romantic connection you had was when she stripped down to jump in and save your manuscript because mm-hmm. you're fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. You're an idiot who first time at the new novel, buddy? Like, my God. Um, and I don't think they've had communication since. Like, there's nothing implied in there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, no. Yeah, no, oh, this oh, one's uh, the most nuts. Um, yes, uh, and also the child, uh, little, uh, whatever his name is, Sam, runs through all of uh, airport security. He's 11. Even a fast 11-year-old probably gets caught up with by adults. But he's, he, I guess he was, he was breaking the world record for 11-year-olds in the, in a 100-meter dash. Oh, yeah, he was. It wasn't like he, like, pulled over a sunglass, like, display at one of those little st- stores in, in, in the ape, and they had to like, they tripped over it or whatever. Here, here's a trash can. It hits them in the face. Like none of that. He's just running. And they're like, we got to get him. Let's go. And they can't catch up to him. I don't understand. But, um, uh, the Alex running is just my favorite pastime. They can't, um, he's like, it's your like, face selling it the whole time. This is, this is the child, right? He's running. He's running through the thing, right? Casual here, are the, he, here are the security guards running after him. <laughs> <laughs> and like they can't they can't catch up to him. It's really weird. Um, <laughs> he busting tackles. <laughs> he should he should have busted tackles. He, he like he they, they grab it. grab at his at his at his coat and they can't quite get it. Um so uh but he, he's able to get to the gate to meet Joanna there. Um and she gives him a kiss on the cheek, and now I guess they're Boyfriend and girlfriend at 11, living on different continents across an ocean from each other. Well, he is not in therapy that he was going to desperately need because Claudia Schiffer is going to have sex in his room with his dad and his mom of the same name with the little kid crush. uh, Just died like five minutes ago. Uh, Yes. Um, I guess this is like... The like love is all you need foreshadowing thing. And like there I feel like right around this time, like in 2003, there was like a big movement of Sex in the City was really big with this too. Mm-hmm. Though they took the opposite route as far as like women and agency, right? Mm-hmm. But like this idea that like love is sometimes messy and not perfect, like was a really really big theme mm-hmm. and like this just went so far out of its right. way. <laughs> um, so this is out of order, but I'm going to talk about it now because it does not belong in this movie whatsoever. <laughs> Colin Colin Frissel rents out his flat to pay for a ticket 
to Wisconsin. Oh my God, yes. I forgot all about this. Yeah. And he <laughs> flies to the Milwaukee airport as somebody who flew into Milwaukee airport many times. Doesn't look like that. Um, <laughs> it's fine. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it doesn't look like that at all. Um, they they are they they present the Milwaukee airport as like the airport that um, the they flew into in the Walmart movie, as though it is like two gates, <laughs> right? It is not. It's a very big, bustling international airport, um, and uh, he gets out of the plane because he's going to go meet. American girls. Um, and uh, he gets into a cab and the cabbie has a New York accent <laughs> in Wisconsin. This is why I th- I don't think, I think this movie, I think this movie that he's in is a very <clears throat> odd thing to do for this movie. But honestly, in its own movie, like where, where everything's a parody of it, it honestly kind of makes sense. The idea that what it, if this is a if this is a movie taking place entirely within Colin Fristle's head, which honestly it should be, like at the end of the movie we should find out that he made all this up or like <laughs> got a concussion because he slept on a patch of ice and this is what he <laughs> thought it was. Um, but uh, but it was all a dream. But he's like he gets in the cab. He's like, "Hey, where to, buddy?" It's like a bar. What kind of bar? Any good old American bar. And so they take him to a bar and he walks in and this does look like bars in Wisconsin. Um, and he sits down, asks for a, a Budweiser. Um, and uh, the, the girl at the bar immediately is like, wants to have sex with him. And so does, so does her, um, her uh, friend who's at the jukebox. And then, Oh, wait until whatever her Carol Ann gets here. She loves British guys even more than we do. And and then she comes in. It's Alicia Cuthbert, and she comes in as January Jones from Mad Men, and Alicia Cuthbert from, <laughs> from Twenty Four. And the first girl is like some supermodel. Um, and so they all get to talking and um, and drinking whatever. And he's just he's just saying words in in his accent, and they think it's the cutest thing ever, which proves him right according to this thing. And uh, then she says, um, you, um, I, well, I better go find a hotel. Um, she says, oh, no, you should come and stay with us. He says, uh, really? Well, we're not the richest of girls. So we only have one bed. Um, we all have to sleep in it and no blankets. And we don't have enough to be able to pay to heat our house. So we all got to huddle real close. And so it's, it's, a, it's a parody of this. It is his fantasy of what going to America would be like times a million. Right. So um, that is where it, it works except for it isn't in the wrong movie. Like, you know what I mean? Entirely separate. Yeah. It, um, so, wildly uh, shoehorned into all right. of this. Like, so yeah. they go back to their place and it is a two story house that is covered ground to rooftop in Christmas lights. And if you can't afford a bed, maybe skimp, and you can't afford to heat your place, <laughs> maybe skimp on the on the Christmas lights because the electric electricity bill's going to be through the, through roof, the roof, gals. Yeah. And, then, and then there's the sexy one, the Harriet, is going to show up. And, uh, and she, uh, and, and so they, in silhouette, they're all like, having an orgy and then harriet walks up and she's wearing a cowboy hat 
Um, and um, and so that's that's how that story ends until the epilogue when we see everybody coming out through the through the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport, which is where the movie starts, is like romanticizing the idea of the airport and everybody loves each other or whatever. Um, but also this thing, and um, we see everybody coming back, and uh, Jamie and Aurelia come back from from getting married and and meet up with uh, Peter and Juliet and Mark for some reason. Um, and I just hope Mark doesn't fall in love with uh, with his other friend's uh, new wife. No, let's hope not. Kind of that's kind of his mo here. But I don't understand how they're all is still associated with each other after this stunt that Mark pulled. Very inappropriate. Yeah. Um, we 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 find out that uh, that uh, the, the the porn stand-ins have gotten engaged. Though why they are at the 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 airport, it's never explained. Tony, it's not, but up. they were like my favorites. I wanted more yeah. of them. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, Tony, the 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 third assistant director on the porn film, is there to, to meet Colin. Colin comes back, and he brings Harriet, who is Shannon Elizabeth from the American Pie movies, uh, and she plants a big old kiss on on Tony. And then she brought her sister, who is Denise Richards, who shows up and also decides to make out with Tony. Um, uh, and and so now Tony, I guess, is it's a wonderful little foursome they're going to have because American girls sex. So yeah. um, uh, uh, Alan Rickman shows up and uh, Emma Thompson. They're still married, but Emma Thompson is still very cold to him. Um, like, how are you? Fine. I'm fine. And so that's that's that. Uh, 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 oh, uh, oh, Joanna flies back. Yes. She's she went back to America and now she's back in England. I don't under don't know why, but she and she and Sam are gonna be cool or whatever. And uh Dan, uh Liam Neeson's there with Claudia Schiffer. He's like, Oh, you should have kissed her. No, 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 she says. It's much cooler if you don't. And so there's that. Um and then the Prime Minister apparently flew commercial and is walking out the same place as everybody else. And then Martine McCutcheon, Natalie, sprints up to him and flings herself at him and throws her legs around him because a big old sloppy kiss in the middle of the public area of Heathrow Airport, which cannot possibly be secured. And he could be assassinated at any moment and nobody cares. Um, uh, Prime ministers, they're just like us. And then, um, and then he says, you happen to catch what he says to her? I don't think so. I didn't. In all the viewings of the thing, I did not catch it, but I watched it with subtitles for the first time. He says, God, you weigh a ton. She goes, oh, shut your face. And then they walk off hand in hand. The last thing he says to her is saying how fat she is. It's the last, it's the last line of the movie. Is talking to her about how fat she is. Ew. Ew. Ugh. And then they, then they, then they, the movie honestly does not earn. God only knows what I'd be without you. The movie no, does not earn it. No, it doesn't. Sorry, it doesn't. No. Um, Lieutenant Photo, Mark's story is literally my wife and I's story. And earlier in the thing, he was making a confession. I don't know. Uh, he says, hey guys, full stop. 
This story is the current story of my wife and I. We have twins now, LOL. I was the best man at their wedding. Now we're married. I'm not a good friend, LOL. Your, your wife may be the pun master, but she needs to run far away from you. Who knows what <laughs> other horrible things you will do? I was assuming Jeez. now I want now I just want the tea of one LT photo. Next week's episode should just be one LT photo story. But Lieutenant I'm assuming photo, you didn't like hold her hostage on her own porch. Or like zoom in on her mouth. Court martialed from the photo brigade for his villainous actions. I'm calling it now. <laughs> and Meek Normus says, I had an ex that made me watch this movie since I made her watch wrestling. I can suspend disbelief, but this was a stretch. Did the Linder see it? I don't, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know, I don't know if the, hold on. If she's around to consult about it? I don't know. Listen, I mean, I understand that he may have started an international incident, but I would not kick Hugh Grant out of bed for eating crackers. That is much I will tell you. Or he can call me fat all he wants with that accent of his. My goodness. Story is on track. Yeah, on track. One LT photo. No, it was her confessing her love for me. Oh, I, we just have that be the goodness. movie. Oh my! At least she has some agency. Yeah, at least it was at her calling ha- the shots a little bit. At least she has some agency because none oh of them in this movie have agency. What? So no, oh, and was... also we also see um, Carl like oh yeah leaving the office, being like. Good night, Sarah. Good night, Carl. Go on a date, losers. <laughs> what? Just like won't they can't they could they oh. now they 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 what? Just it's obvious you two want like why don't man? Oh, see, see that's good. See, well now this is different. Well, did best he treated her- one LT photo? No, now I need all, is, I need is, the is this details. all in your mind. Is it all in your mind? Is that it? Did he really? No, just kidding. Um, no, see, like, this is what it does open the door to it is that love is complicated and messy sometimes, mm-hmm. but like, that doesn't mean that it should always just be men with power dynamics over women making decisions. <laughs> Probably not. This is what LT photo sounds like she made choices for her. Mm hmm. This wasn't you showing up with a fake choir mm. on the porch mm. after having zoomed in on her mouth during her wedding video. Like, a oh, oh, I forgot the other part of this thing it says, with any luck by this time next year, I'll be dating one of these girls. And it's just models he clipped out of a magazine. Ew, Carl. Like, God, you weigh a ton of energy. Okay, see now, like, see now I've. I've completely won eighty. I'm glad that yeah. you're out of this. Because that'll only get you to being prime minister. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you please don't offer to have her ex killed. Um no. even if you have even even if you don't have the power, and especially if you do. Because yeah. And even if you're adorable about it. There's there's there is a there's like a, not there's okay, a, but it's there's so a good. deleted scene where um where somebody opens opens a uh opens up the newspaper and sees that this man uh wound up like dead with a syringe hole in his neck and <laughs> nobody knows it. why. Yeah. No, that's the lifetime continuation. 
One thing I did watch while watching this was I was like, oh, so the holiday took almost like they they plucked some stuff from this and just mm. you want to talk about like stealing a template. She was mm. a writer. Like they didn't yeah. even try to <laughs> well, here's, here's, here, You want to know why there are so many writers in movies is because the people who write the scripts are writers and they only write what they That's know. Fair. But, like, even the way, like, the home exchange thing was them intersecting the plots, right? Like, there was, I was just like, oh, because I had seen The Holiday. and like. Oh, my God. I was like, I'll have to send this to you. I'll have to send this to you. Somebody did a full flow chart on how everybody connects with each other. That rules. Wow. Um, Okay. Um... I am going to say that if you've never watched the film and somebody tells you you have to, you can tell them, no, I don't. If you if you want to see it, because a lot of people are like who are like belligerent about there are you've movie. got to see this movie. Right. Right. You have and, to see this movie. Oh my god, you never seen Love Actually? You have to see Love Actually. Um Honestly, and, that's I think no. part of the reason it took me so long to watch it was I was just like, I'll get to it. Back off. Yeah. Yeah. Um uh uh but if you have seen it and you love it, I'm not gonna tell you you're not allowed to love it. Correct. But maybe you should start considering some of the plot lines might not be as idyllic as you once thought. Yeah, or just like I I went in there armed with the knowledge, but like you can you can have the complexity of I am charmed by how adorable a lot of this movie is, but that is mm-hmm. it is problematic. I think as long as you can acknowledge one side of it, you're still allowed to love and enjoy it. Yep. But like keep keep front of mind those things. Yeah. I will say, man, a couple of bad castings and this whole thing goes south. Like this is there's a lot of things that yeah. are contingent upon the embarrassment of riches that this cast is, which it is. Yes. I mean, down to Laura Linney, like who, like Laura Linney, Emma Thompson, Hugh Grant, Alan Rickman, like embarrassment of riches with this cast. Um, yeah. Which, which is kind of, I always appreciate that. Cause I, I think that it's an incredible testament of the actors th- that can do something like that. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, there's some problems, but however, it's just so damn charming. I just, I hate, I hate how charming it is. Like I, I hate, I hate. Like you said, it's insidious. It's like, it's so charming that it pulls the wool over your eyes. It's, it's a Trojan horse. It is. It's a Trojan horse. It's, 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 it, it, except it's not, it's not a horse. It's a Hugh Grant. It's just like this big wooden Hugh Grant, and inside is in inside is not a bunch of Greek soldiers set to sack the town. No, it's, it's a dancing it's a, it's, prime it's minister. A, it's a adorable. no. It's a bunch of it's a bunch of um, of destructive romantic tropes that are going to burrow yeah. their way into your brain and make you think all this is fine, and it's not fine. But but what can you do? The the giant wooden Hugh Grant will dance to the Pointer Sisters. And then, then you you'll be, you'll be powerless to resist. Not horse Grant, not Trojan horse Grant. <laughs> um, keep keep the flick in. Honestly, I'm, I'm keeping do, it. But do do an edit with all of the fat jokes removed. 
yeah keep it in forever but um but honestly let's do a remake where everyone's bisexual to make it even more confusing (laughs) uh all right next week we'll do something that's not christmas related i promise maybe or will we We maybe i don't know know. (laughs) honestly the one that i'm thinking of does take place on new year's eve so what if we're just a week behind the entire year because i got a week behind constantly (laughs) week behind Constantly, we're, we're gonna do our Valentine's Day special in March. That's right. And our St. Patrick's Day special in April, Easter in May, and just keep on going. That's it. Uh, all right. Thanksgiving too <laughs> will happen in on Christmas. Next week, next <laughs> month, money, money plane might be on the other show uh, later this month. I don't know. Yeah, stay tuned. Um, yeah. Anyway, until then, get the flick out of here. Bye, everybody. Have a good weekend. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Click the subscribe button and find out what it means to me. Nah, that doesn't have a ring to it. But if you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.